What number is this, Chip? Zilch 182. Exciting news. Mickey Dolenz announces 2023 headquarters tour. Mickey celebrates headquarters and a brand new headquarters super deluxe edition available at monkeys.com exclusively. And Andrew Sandoval joins us. And the monkeys. <laughs> okay, don't, mean, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short, I know. You're listening to Zilch, a monkeys podcast. Welcome back to Zilch, your podcast full of monkeys. And today we have Andrew Sandoval joining us. So it's not just full of monkeys, it's it's full of Andrew Sandoval. Welcome to Zilch once again. And the monkeys. And it's the always, monkeys. <laughs> it's always a pleasure to talk to you about the monkeys, and it's always nice to have something new to talk about with regard to the monkeys. So it's great to be back with you. You uh, kind of let us know a little bit that something was coming. You let us know a little bit about some of the fun that is headed this way for the monkeys, some of the music that is headed this way for the monkeys, and we're going to talk about it in detail right now. So, Andrew, what do you have for us? I understand we have a tour and a new box set. Yeah, so Mickey Dolenz is going on a tour in April, and as Many of the Zilch listeners and followers know he was on tour this past April doing a Celebrates the Monkeys show where he showed a lot of his rare films and we played some rare music between the, the acts of the show and we plan to do something like that. But I was discussing with Mickey this new box set that's coming from Rhino, which is going to be out this month. It's Headquarters, their 1967 album, their third album. And I said it would be so great if we kind of could do a presentation of headquarters on stage with you singing the songs. And he said, well, let's go for it. Let's try it out. So that's what we're going to be doing in April of 2023. We're going to be uh, in the South sort of Southeast and Northeast and Midwest. And there are no other dates beyond the ones that are announced uh, today or yesterday or whenever you're listening to this, look for us in those places. If you have to travel in, you might have to travel in. It's, getting harder for us to travel everywhere. Last year, we did a very, very long monkeys tour with Mike and Mickey, and uh, that really took a lot out of everybody. So um, I can't say that we'll be everywhere this year, but we will be playing in April. We'll be doing this special show, and it goes along with the box set, which I've been working on for some time. So I can tell you about both things. Ask away. Well, first things first, even though the tour date in Orlando, Florida, uh, starts on April 1st, this is not an April Fool's joke. This is Mickey going on tour, playing the Headquarters album in full, plus all the great songs that you would expect, and probably some surprises as well, if I if I know you and Mickey. Yeah, we're going to obviously try and spice it up as much as we can. Now, we have not rehearsed this Headquarters show at all. I mean, the shows aren't until April. We have discussed what we might do and how we might represent some of the songs 
that he didn't sing or that are more, uh, you know, audio pieces like Band 6 or Zilch or things like that. So we're going to be experimenting and trying those out and, and figuring out what, what we can do and what we can cover and do our very best to represent the entire album and played in sequence and all that, like most album tours do. Um, but as of yet, you know, I haven't heard him sing Can't Get Her Off My Mind or anything yet. <laughs> but I'm sure that's the next question. Is he really going to do those songs? We're going to try. And then that's Mickey. Mickey has said he will try to do everything and we'll just try and figure out the best way to do it and, and what works. I mean, we may get a little help from our friends, Michael, David, and Peter in some places, you know, and that, that might have to happen. Uh, and since the box set uh, research this year sort of touched on getting a lot of stuff transferred and, and resynced and other things. We have all these raw elements of the headquarters recordings that are pretty interesting. So those things might be incorporated into the shows and video stuff. You know, um, Mickey's Rare Films, again, I'm sure will make uh, an appearance. I know a lot of people liked those. So and very few people got to see that show. We only played a few dates, but this tour is 20 dates. So we're getting to a few places we haven't been in some time. And I hope that people will come out and see it and know that we're really, really trying to put on a unique and special show for you. So we'd be so pleased if you went out and got some tickets and, and supported Mickey and supported the monkeys. Now, I know that there's no way you can answer this question totally. Try me. But <laughs> that was my Peter Tork moment. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Try. Me. You don't know. You don't know. I maybe I can answer this. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> this uh, 20, 20 date tour that you have, uh, is there any chance it can expand? Only if ticket sales justify that. Now, Mickey was on tour in April, and mm -hmm. we did okay with that. And then Mickey did all these dates with Felix Cavalieri, and some of those did okay, and some of them did you know, better than okay. But it all is really driven by ticket sales. And a lot of fans are pretty blasé about coming out to see Mickey perform these days. And even last year with the Monkees and in previous years. And in 2011, I remember people saying, yeah, if I had known it was going to be a good show, I would have gone. I didn't know Davey was going to, you know, not be on tour with them again. And I, I didn't know they were going to do all of your toys. And so, so I was trying to tell people, look, really putting a lot into this, trying to do a special show. And it all comes down to ticket sales. I mean, if if something goes wrong and tickets don't sell, then the tour will be altered, unfortunately. I mean, that's what we saw in, in other places uh, where, you know, problems come up. But we try and. You know, we make these plans. We try and come out and see as many people as we can. So please, you know, support us. Spread the word. If you can't make it to a show, but you know people in the areas where we are playing, let them know. That helps us just as much to maybe get to some other shows. Because if these shows do well, then yes, he could come and do, you know, other things. I mean, I would love to be on the West Coast because that's where I'm from. People always say, oh, the monkeys always play on the West Coast. Well, we don't have any dates and we haven't done the Mickey Celebrates show in Los Angeles. And we can't until we have some good ticket sales. <laughs> so this is a chance where you can vote with your money and you can vote with your interest and do more than just talk about it on social media. If you want to see... Uh, the Monkey Celebrated by Mickey Dolans uh, doing the Headquarters album. This is your chance to make it a thing. And, of course, if people are interested, you can also contact your local uh, 
concert promoters, places that the monkeys maybe have played previously. I'm looking at you, Tom, in St. Louis. Uh, maybe you can make an offer, you know, but it has to be something that makes sense to the touring unit, right? It's it, it, a yeah. lot of people don't understand. You have to have so many dates to make this possible so many dates that have to happen and it has to work out that you can move around the united states as you need to right right yeah we have a fairly low profile these days with with how we do the touring but yeah we still need enough enough gas to get from place to place and you know expenses are what they are that we can't just go and do crazy zigzagging around the country mickey especially doesn't really like to do more than a couple of shows in a row and feels pretty beat up. I mean, especially for the fact that he's he's singing the whole night now. Um, so uh, it's it's you know those are the considerations, and we try and carefully structure these things. So I would love to do more of these shows, but as of today, uh, this is it. This is this is what what's on the books. This is what we have planned. And uh, I have another exclusive for you, Ken. Which the news has sort of been leaking out. What Mickey and I have been working on. Last month, in addition to these projects, is a book of all of his archives and memorabilia and photos that he shot. So that'll be the next Beatland book um, coming out sometime next year. But we're we're busily working on that, and then Mickey's going to have to learn these songs from headquarters. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I know that the band will be in uh, crack form as always. They will uh, help support Mickey and make it as as real as possible you know what i mean is it's going to be exciting this is a great chance to see mickey dolan's doing the headquarters album in whatever shape that that turns out i'm looking at it at this this the spirit of the headquarters album will definitely be seen so however it manifests itself you're in for a great time mickey never ever fails to entertain yeah, and, and uh, speaking of the band, actually Amin, the guitarist who we added on the Monkey's Farewell Tour, uh, I knew before that and got to know even better spending three months with him on tour. But uh, we talked a lot about technical things, and he helped me with a few things when I was working on Michael Nesmith's catalog for Sony. And when it came to do this headquarters session set, or Super Deluxe Edition rather, I already did headquarters sessions. That was 22 years ago. <laughs> I forget about these things. I uh, I needed to sync up various stages of the original four tracks, and I felt Amin would be the best person since he's really familiar with the music to help me with this. So he helped me a lot with this box set in getting the various stages of four tracks uh, together. So um, to get into that area of the conversation, Ken, you know, I know a lot of people saw this recent thing with the Beatles with the demixing that they did for their Revolver album and people have been writing to me like you know you could get that technology and you could do amazing things with the Monkees well the great thing about the Monkees headquarters album is it's something we have all the elements of and unlike the Beatles the Monkees didn't record their tracks to just one track of a four track and then use the other tracks to to do the overdubs they started out recording their instruments across four tracks on a tape and then transferring it to another machine and then adding vocals and other overdubs. So what we did in the process is we resynced all of those elements so we didn't have to do the the uh, demixing. Although I'd love to hear from Peter Jackson. If, he, if he's a Monkees fan and wants to talk to me, I'd love that. But uh, we actually were able to do something that uh, the Beatles couldn't do 
because of the technology that the monkeys used when they made this album. And this is the only monkeys album that we can do this with in totality. There are other monkeys albums where we have parts of the multi-tracks, parts are missing. This is the only one we have every single song and we have a lot of the backup. Of the songs on the record, 11 of the 14 songs were re-synced from various stages of multi-tracks and the other three, which would be Zilch, Band 6, and Can't Get Her Off My Mind were from the original four track. Amazing. Yeah, hopefully Peter Jackson is listening and uh, will send a call out to you. That would be fantastic. Uh, <laughs> so, hello, Peter. <laughs> I was thinking of Peter Jackson today because, you know, Rolling Stone made an announcement about the tour and the box set, and Andy Green had written that there was an 84 CD headquarters set that had every single take of every single song, and people were writing to me about that this morning. I, I did point this out to Andy via email and say, you know, I'm a big monkeys collector and that does not exist. <laughs> but, you know, if Peter Jackson gets involved, yes, maybe we'll go and do the 84 disc set then, you know, because he could, he, he would have the gravitas that I don't have to get that sold, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Fans have been clamoring for another handmade set, another set from Rhino. They've been, they've been hoping that this would come. And sadly, there's a lot of things that happen within the Monkees fan community. And I'm just, I just want to let people know that this is the time. This is now. Uh, for example, people said, well, we'd like every, you know, the, the show remastered and put on Blu-ray or uh, just remastered. And then it happened. And then people sat there and waited and waited and waited and time passed. And you could, you know, they're, they're gone. Same with the other handmade sets. Uh, now is the time. It is now available. How many of these sets are there going to be of this four CD with a seven inch record added as well? How many of them are there going to be printed, period? Well, I've been told 4,000. That's what's in the press release. Um, so, uh, so, so that's, that's what it is. And I, you know what? I don't think they're going to be gone overnight. And like a lot of these things, like the birds, bees and the monkey set that I did in 2009, uh, you know, the, that was available for years, literally for years. And and so was the Blu-ray was available for years at the regular price. I, I think this one is more expensive because it's uh, $69.98 and you get a uh, fourth disc. I talked them into doing four discs so we wouldn't have to um, take off a lot of the interesting things I found. And, um, and so that's nice. Um, it's only like another $10 for the extra disc that you would normally be paying $60 for a three CD with a single uh, set like the past. And uh, you know, unlike other inf inflation things, this really hasn't gone up that much. But I know for a lot of fans, it's a stretch financially. And uh, they write to me and say, when is Rhino going to put out a cheap version of Birds and Bees and the Monkeys? Because I'm not going to pay what they're charging now. And I say, I, I don't think they're ever going to do that. Uh, there's no, you know, <laughs> they don't really have. They barely want to put out this box set. So it took years and years to convince them to do this. So they're not putting out a cheap version of the Blu-ray. They're not putting out a cheaper, you know, it's like, I, I'm sorry, you know, but for years these were available. And that's the other thing that we're learning now in modern life. You know, it used to be you would go to the store and they'd have the monkeys records in stock or, you know, go to a bookstore, you know. They, they don't have those places anymore. Uh, you know, you, you, there's still record stores, but they only keep in stock what they can sell and they only order in a few copies of each things. And, and it's, you know, that's why it's a sort of supply and demand. You know, 
it's not the hardware store where they have buckets and nails where they're like, well, somebody's going to show up for these three cent nails eventually. You know, with the monkeys records, when I was growing up, you couldn't go to a store and buy any monkeys records. So that's my old man uh, diatribe. <laughs> and get off my lawn. Yeah, yeah. And one of the classic greatest hits. Shouting at the clouds. There you uh, go. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's not the perfect world where you can go into a record store and buy this. It's only available online, but it's a worthy purchase, I think. It's got a lot to it to uh, to make it worthwhile. I know a lot of people are saying, well, why doesn't it just have the stuff from headquarters sessions uh, on there and then maybe uh, something else so I can sell my headquarters sessions? <laughs> well, I did headquarters sessions 22 years ago. And a lot has changed, and I found some new things, and people always say, oh, well, you were just holding on to those things. It's like, no, wasn't holding on to them. I'm, I'm so grateful that new things come along over 20 years. You'd hope that other stuff would get turned up, you know? So I went back through all the tapes, and uh, also this doesn't have the mono and stereo mixes on the set at all like we did on the previous sets, because I felt those are well represented elsewhere and that we'd use the space to present a lot of stuff that we have never included on any set before relating to headquarters. So there's 25 songs on the first CD and they're all remixed. And that includes the 14 songs on headquarters, as well as the singles from the era and the other things that were completed from the uh, Kirshner sessions, including the stuff that was on Good Times. It's been remixed but a little bit more uh, period sounding so um it's it's pretty interesting it's pretty interesting i i think it's a really good listen and then the other three discs are sessions and rarities their first demo they did at gold star which is only on an acetate all kinds of things wow amazing one thing i'd like to point out is that we are getting to a point where every band is doing deluxe box sets. Every band is doing this. It used to be that only the, the biggest bands, you know, so it, it's, it's across the platform, if you will. But I want to just talk a little bit about pricing. This is, this is $69, right? Yeah. 69.98. And what I think revolver is like $150. <laughs> I mean, not that revolver isn't worth $150. It's a fantastic album. And, um, you know, both Headquarters and Revolver start the same way mm -hmm. with the same the count off. So exactly. But but, yeah, it's it's markedly different. I mean, we don't have as big a book and we don't have Questlove in our book. Uh, he didn't contact me to, to say he wanted to write anything. So we, we would have expanded if, if we could have. But uh, we you know, we we have uh, we have the same shape as the other boxes that we've done in this series. So you can put them on your shelf together. So this does fit with the handmade sets. It does fit with all the other handmade sets. So if you started collecting them with birds, bees and you got head and instant replay and present, and then we did the first album and more of the monkeys and the Blu-ray box is the same size too. Now you have headquarters. There's only a few things missing at that point. Fantastic. Speaking about the pricing, like I look at some of the sets that come out, like Kiss put out their Creatures of the Night set that's coming out this year for $300. And that was a $100 price increase over their Destroyer one from the year before. You take a look at Revolver and it's uh, roughly about $198 for the vinyl set. And then, uh, it, you know, it kind of landed at about $107 
uh, dollars like on Amazon for the CD version, right? But I just want people to know that $69, you might scoff at it now, but you won't when this does sell out. And it's just a matter of time before it will. Uh, this is not a bad price to be at, seriously. No, no. I mean, it's amazing that we're having this conversation because it's uh, it it. But it does get into that sort of I'm not paying for it sort of uh, sort of uh, rhetoric, which is fine because I think a lot of people feel like, well, I have this material, or I have enough of the material, or I don't want this. Um, but they do feel inclined to let everybody know that they don't want it, and they don't feel anybody else should want it because they bought headquarters or they bought what they wanted from it and they got it or they just want the Pisces set or they just want this or they just want that that's social media that's just the way it goes um right, it's not yeah. all going to be uh you know uh wine and roses or whatever it is that takes your fancy uh when when you come out with an announcement but I will say that I had everybody in mind uh both the good and the bad uh, when I made this set or put it together to try and put something out that would impress people and in include some things that would surprise people. So I, I feel that, um, you know, and I consulted with a lot of people too uh, in the fan base of what they thought would be interesting. And uh, and then also pulled out things that I didn't even know were there. So so that's what this set is. It's It's fairly imaginative for a record that I've actually reissued. This is the fourth go around and i say in my notes you know rather than just rehash those or frankenstein them together which is what most people would expect at this point and that's what most record labels do um i tried to put something together that was really from a fan to the other fans because uh, i care about people and i uh i want to make something that they would like and listen to and this is the first set to revisit the songs that kirshner planned to include on the original album and with the 23 previously unreleased backing tracks from those sessions, can you talk a little bit about Jeff Barry's work and what all we're getting here? Yeah, so that's the interesting thing. You know, many people who have looked at my work or looked at my books in the past, both the original and, and the new one, um, had a lot of details of this era. And, and it certainly fascinated me to read more about it when I uncovered all the court documents in the last few years. So I was really in a headquarters mode anyway when I did this. And uh one of the things was that, you know, Jeff Barry and Denny Rendell produced enough material to fill a, a third album for the Monkees without the Monkees contributing anything. You know, if just Davey and Mickey would have cooperated and, and sung on all those tracks, <laughs> Don Kirshner would have had another album and he could have completely, you know, circumvented, uh, circumnavigated the Monkees wanting to play some uh, of their own music. And that's what his plans were. He just figured it would blow over. They'd be too busy. They wouldn't get it together as a band. But he was wrong. The Monkees really had it in them. They were had been on tour in December and January and were really excited to make some recordings. And the more that he pushed back and said, no, no, I'm not going to let you do that, uh, the more they pushed forward. And, and so you get both sides of the story, whereas Headquarters Sessions 22 years ago just focused on their recordings, which is – great because it needed to be that story needed to be told this gives you both sides of the story this shows you what he had in mind for a third album from the monkeys and you know i i don't feel that the songs are up to the level of what the monkeys ultimately put out so maybe you can kind of also see that you know yeah the monkeys were on a downslide commercially when they let go of kirshner 
I mean, by downslide, I mean they were only selling a few million as opposed to tens of millions. <laughs> but creatively and artistically, they made the right move, in my opinion. You, you hear that Headquarters turns out to be a much better record than the record he was planning. But that's not to say, you know, there isn't merit to Little Bit Me, Little Bit You or 99 Pounds or Love to Love or some of these other songs that have leaked out over the years. You get to hear them all together and you get to hear the process and you get to be the judge. It's like those old uh, records. There was the, the Beatles versus the Four Seasons where you got to to judge the contest on the cover. So, yes. so you get to judge Don Kirshner versus the Monkees. You get it all in this box set and you can, you know, you can write all about what you think. Um, and I think a lot of people will agree with me that the Monkees came up with a pretty great album versus what uh, Don had planned. Absolutely. And I just have to confess something to you, Andrew. Uh, my aunt had the Beatles versus the Four Seasons. Mm -hmm. And uh, I took a marker and voted for the Beatles. Just <laughs> And my aunt saw it and I broke her heart. <laughs> And somewhere in our family, that album is out there with my uh, five-year-old, you know, voting, if you will. <laughs> well, you know, and, and her heart would really be broken if she saw, saw what a good one goes for on eBay. So, uh, so uh, <laughs> and, you know, so with all the pricing discussion stuff, buy this now from Rhino if you want it. If you don't want it, I get it. You've been there. You've done that. You have enough monkeys in your life. But if you want this set, my financial advice as a financial planner to you is buy this now at this price. It's not going to be cheaper. <laughs> and then if you get bored with it a few years down the line, flip it. You'll probably be able to double your money or more. Um, you know, I've seen that with my book where it started out $75 for a book. Is this guy kidding? And then. When I showed it to people, everybody's like, oh, you you know, that, that book looks like it's actually worth a little bit more money than that. And then now you want to buy a copy of my book and it's, you know, hundreds of dollars more than the original price uh, because that's just it has more value than that. And these sets have a bit more value than what they're priced at, I think. But this is, you know, this is what they're offered for. And. Rhino doesn't necessarily have that much confidence in the monkeys that they can pull off a high-end product with them like this. So um, that's why they're only making 4,000 of them. Buy them now or, you know, pay more later through Discogs or, or, or uh, eBay, you know, unfortunately. That's the way we – that's the way things are now. But there's another big reason. Uh, if Rhino sees that we are out there and we will vote with our wallet, they're more than likely willing to do something else and take a chance down the road. Uh, we, we need to let our voices be heard. And that doesn't mean go on social media and complain. That means put your wallet where your intent is, if you will, or what you want. So that's, that's an important thing. I'd like to talk about some of the discs that are from the, uh, what I'm calling the Jeff Berry stuff. What are some of the tracks that we're talking about that you're going to hear? Well, you're going to hear everything. Every single song from those sessions is included on the set. Now, the Monkees didn't end up doing vocals on many of the songs uh, because they started doing their own record, uh, as is chronicled 
in many places, including I did all new liner notes for this box set. Uh, so it's not a rehash of anything I've done previously. It's all newly written just for this. And uh, so you hear stuff like Poor Little Me and Eve of My Sorrow and Black and Blue, which is a Neil Diamond song. You hear the backing tracks for those. And um, you, know, you, of course, hear Mustang and If I Learned to Play the Violin, Love to Love. Um, I'm just doing all these off memory. Sugar I, man. I worked on this. I got so sick making this uh, box set, like literally not sick of the music, but sick physically, like because the deadline was so harsh to get it done in time for it to be out now um, that I literally I, I was ill at the end of it. And I had to actually take about a month off because I worked day and night to get it done. The production deadlines these days with supply and demand and supply chain problems and the vinyl and all that it just we uh, i cut the vinyl uh single for this uh which is actually a direct analog cut from the original master um by kevin gray uh i i did that months and months and months ago everything had to be done in a big uh rush so uh so drove myself a little crazy and wore myself real really ragged uh doing this uh, but uh but it's not unlike the monkeys at the time in, in the 60s. They just worked 24-7. They did an amazing amount of stuff in a few months. It is it is absolutely mind-blowing, uh, the, the speed that they were working at. We've A couple things I wanted to mention is Sugar Man, and this is the track that I believe that Mickey has often said that they wanted us to do Sugar Sugar. This is This is that, right? This is that, yeah. So you get to hear that. And I did find, you know, working on this book, uh, of Mickey's stuff, and <clears throat> Mickey also has an audio archive, and I went through, uh, I've been going through a bunch of his reel-to-reel tapes, and I did find the reel-to-reel of Sugar Man and a few of the other songs. <laughs> so I do know that he was given this song, Sugar Man, not, and not, you know, not Sugar Sugar, which was not really written until 1968, till after Don Kirshner was no longer with the Monkees, but the thing is, as uh, as Ron Dante told me, well, you know, it makes a great story uh, when we tell it the other way. <laughs> right. The the legend is, is bigger than the reality. <laughs> yeah. So as a person who's a, you know, a historian, uh, it, 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 it uh, is, it, it irks me, but you know, these guys have been telling these stories so long that they, you know, they all kind of blend into one another. Like, you know, the Randy Skaskit thing, which Mickey's got a very fine tuned story on that he's told in concert for so many years, but people are like, well, wait, the Beatles threw him a party, but like in your book, it says that they had a party and that was like later on. Wasn't that after he recorded the song? It's like, yes, he was in England twice in 1967 and the stories kind of got conflated together. (laughs) But uh, in the in the book I'm working on for Mickey, we found Mickey's original drafts of Randy Skowskin on the hotel stationery with different lyrics and all that stuff. So in his book, you'll see uh, you'll get to see the building process of Randy Skousket and how that came together. Still, one of the most remarkable songs of that era, and just a true insight into his creativity. Creating new monkeys fans all the time. I think that that song and Pleasant Valley Sunday uh, have that power in in some ways. The the people that think that they're too cool for the monkeys, those songs seem to really grab them. You know what I mean? I don't know if anybody's too cool for the monkeys anymore. I mean, we've seen so much of a change in direction with the uh, public perception of the monkeys now. And, and that's been a great thing to see in my lifetime. Uh, you know, I just, 
I don't. Um, it's funny. I sat down to dinner after I finished this box set in. Um, I was in New York, upstate New York, and um, I was seated next to uh, a professor uh, at a at a big group dinner. Um, and I never tell people <laughs> what I do. But then um, the uh, it was th this woman said to me uh, uh, something came up about the monkeys, and this woman said. Oh well, I mean, they were fake. They didn't do anything of their own. And and I and and I said, oh well, actually, you know, they did play on a lot of their recordings and they did write a lot of their own songs. And she said, oh okay. And then we went on. And then the next day, um, we were seated together for dinner again. And she said, you know, that was so nice of you. I've only just found out what you do. You didn't. You didn't yell at me or clap at me over the head. They were, you were so polite about uh, when you when you you know about what you said about the monkeys. You know, somebody else told me that oh you know you work with them and you know all this stuff and wrote a book on them. And I said yeah, you don't really win anybody over by you know by uh, correcting them and clobbering them over the head. Either they're going to like this stuff or not. You know, and I, I think more often than not, people are kind of coming to it with a different mentality. Uh, they don't have that baggage with. Uh, of the past and they're just listening to the music purely as music. I mean, I think that's the other thing with the set is that when you hear the first disc, which is programmed more like something you can listen to just as a record, because you get the 14 songs from headquarters remixed and then um, 11 other tracks that they were working on at the time, all of your toys, which I think sounds incredible on this set, uh, particularly we're able to do some things with it that fix some damage in the tape and other stuff that we couldn't do on previous sets. And, uh, love to love and and um, got to give it time and you know some of the things that were finished for good times uh, you get hear all that stuff in a row and and it's it's really good music <laughs> I can I'm continually surprised by the monkeys it's like you know this is really good this is really good so I hope people will discover it and maybe new people will discover it though I know that a big box set like this is not usually the way people discover music. Um, and I talked to Rhino about trying to put up some of this stuff digitally, and they're kind of on the fence on that. They're not they're not as excited about the monkeys as I am. So we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> the track, I Want to Be Your Puppy Dog, what can you tell us about that? Well, it's just the backing track for that on the set. Mm -hmm. um, it's um, It's kind of a novelty song. I mean, I have one with it doesn't have a vocal on it because we don't have the rights to put out a vocal. But there's a Linzer and Randell put out a single of it that you can hear uh, on, on Columbia Records. So um, if you go on YouTube and you put in Linzer Randell puppy dog, I'm sure you'll find it. Um, but it's I want to be your puppy dog. Wanna da -da -da. It's way worse than going to buy me dog. <laughs> Right. You, you know, one almost gets the feeling that it would have been going to the dog well a little too, one too many times. Yeah. Yeah. One too many times. Well, I think that's Kirshner, you know, well, Kirshner, to give him some respect, and I, I have a lot of respect for him, actually. He hadn't picked the final songs for this album yet. And let's just say that he had a lot of leftover songs from More of the Monkeys. I mean, remember that? He had what? 30 plus songs for that record so he could have brought over stuff like i'll be back upon my feet or you know we can all play that game now like well if kirshner frankenstein together his new sessions if he had taken little bit me little bit you and love to love and 
you know, those songs and then put them together with the the best of the rest of more of the monkeys, that could have been his third album. But he was covering his bases by recording more than enough material. If only Mickey would have shown up at the studio in uh, New York when he was supposed to, uh, then, you know, Kirshner might have had his way. But Kirshner kind of went a little too hard in the other direction and lost the plot, unfortunately. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the Girl I Knew Somewhere Gold Star demo and All Your Toys Gold Star demo. Right. Well, those were recorded January of 1967. Those are the earliest surviving recordings of the Monkees as a group. Now, uh, in my book, there's a picture of the Monkees in the recording studio from about May of uh, 66, April, May 66, that was in Mickey's collection. And um, uh, Mickey's seated at the drums and, and Michael has the hat on and Davey's got the glasses. It's a pretty interesting thing. And I was showing it to Mickey for his book, and I said, you know, um, this is interesting because it's a recording setup, but it looks pretty early. And he said, oh, yeah, that's that's our session for Mickey Most. I said, what? This is news to me. You know, because I knew that Mickey Most had uh, been interested in producing the monkeys, that Don Kirshner wanted to produce the monkeys. But he said, oh, yeah, I know. We had to make an audition tape for Mickey Most, and, um, and he, you know, rejected. But, you know, that's never surfaced, that this – demo version of uh, Girl I Knew Somewhere and All of Your Toys. These are unique backing tracks. They did a gold star to play to, uh, I guess, Lester Sill and Don Kirshner. Uh, although I don't think Don Kirshner ever heard these tracks. Um, they, they were only on an acetate and the tapes have never shown up. So we restored them from an acetate. And then a few days later, they went back and re-recorded them at RCA Studios. And those are the basis of uh, the tracks that were built up to, you know, that you've heard on other collections. So, but these two have never appeared anywhere else. Amazing. I want to know what you think about this. We were talking about on Facebook about what was the most important song recorded by the monkeys. And Christian Nesmith chimed in with this. Christian writes, I usually keep my distance from these threads, but I will add food for thought. Nez did an interview with you, Andrew, from monkeys.net sometime in the early 2000s. During that interview, Nez talked about his overall frustration in dealing with the music, and more specifically, Don Kirshner, and his approach to the music, of not allowing the guys to be anything more than vocal participants. As we all know, Bob and Bert stepped up and told Don that the third single had to have a song by just one of the guys on the B-sides. Of course, Don promptly released A Little Bit Me, and she hangs out in Canada. So Nez had decided to walk away from the project completely. If the next single release didn't have a Monkees performed song on the B-side, he also talked about sitting with Phyllis in his Monkees GTO, listening to the real Don Steele on KHJ as Don got ready to premiere the new Monkees single. When that song started, Nez heard his guitar riff and it literally saved the Monkees, because Nez would have quit right then and there if this particular song had not been played. So that was Christian's vote for the most important recording of the Monkees is the girl I knew somewhere. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that's a really uh, that's a really well thought out um, idea, and um, I would agree to a certain extent that it is a pivotal track for them, and it it's also a great song. That's the other thing about it. Michael Nesmith wrote so many great songs, and you hear so many of them on this record, and I think that. 
he was really the ringleader of getting everybody engaged in this. And he had that ability as a, as, as a leader to get people engaged in concepts and ideas and particularly his songs. So um, I wouldn't disagree with Christian on this one. It might be the most important one in their history. Although I'd say also Last Train to Clarksville is, runs a close second for me because um, that's the song that really introduced them to people and introduced the style of music that would become the monkey style, which was um, unique. It wasn't just a Beatles ripoff. It doesn't sound like a Beatles song, Last Train to Clarksville. Sorry to switch tracks on you. Uh, nor does Girl I Knew Somewhere. Um, the monkeys kind of had their own sound. And I, I think that's what a lot of people overlook, that people who don't want to listen to them or really care about them or invest themselves emotionally in them like like we have. Um, they don't see the monkeys had this unique thing beyond just a television show. Musically, uh, what Boyce and Hart created and what Michael Nesmith created on that first album. It's, it's really a, really something. And, um, and something that wasn't uh, a carbon copy of other things. That's why it was so successful. That's why it wasn't just Don Kirshner uh, pulling the strings. You had some real people and some real talent there. Uh, Don Kirshner is a very talented man, recognized a lot of a lot of amazing writers. But you had you had in it some real organic quality that made it last. Agreed, one hundred percent. Both of those songs are very important to the story of the monkeys and there would be no monkeys had last train to Clarksville really took off. And as Christian pointed out, that may have been the end of the monkeys right there as we knew it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. And, and the funny thing is, is that uh, whenever I spoke to Michael about last train to Clarksville, that was one monkey song he actually really liked, you know, cause he would always be like, Oh, that's, you know, that's one of the worst songs I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> But not with Laster and Clarksville. He's like, you know, that's a good song. He even he recognized, it. and and I think that's because Boyce and Hart kind of were over on his side of of territory uh, with a sort of a somewhat country inflected song, definitely a folk rock song. Um, there's a lot to Laster and Clarksville. It's a very clever song, and Michael had some very clever material too. I, I think that's where his respect for Boyce and Hart starts with that with that material. So um, I, I, I think, you know, but I also feel like the monkeys couldn't go on the way they were. Uh, Michael would have quit. You know, they, their, their popularity would have diminished in some way unless they creatively had taken some control over what they were doing and, and moved into this path. I mean, that's why we're still talking about them today, because of all the weird and interesting things they did after they were so successful with Don Kirshner for those first two albums. Fantastic. So two very important songs and they both matter so much. And let's talk a little bit about the packaging of this set. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't fall apart. <laughs> I'm not in factory gluing all these together, by the way, you know, uh, so I, I can't say I would, I, I did it all on my watch. I, you know, I, I get the sets and I, I look at them and um, this one is uh, this one is a nice design and uh, but very similar to the other ones and designed by the designer who did the birds, beast and the monkeys and head and all those. So, but it's got the 45, all of your toys. Yes. Thanks to Madonna. Actually, we have Madonna to thanks, thank for that because, you know, some of these boxes have had 45s and some of them have not. And, 
the reason why we have a 45 is I said, well, it'd be great to have a 45 in this. And now at Rhino, they have this thing called vinyl governance because um, there's such little press time to actually get records manufactured right now. So I have a big backlog. So if you want to get a monkey's record done, it's kind of low on the totem pole compared to Madonna or someone like that who they're going to sell a lot more records and make a lot more money from. But Madonna had a single, a seven-inch single that she was going to have pressed that uh, at the last minute they changed their mind. They didn't want to do it. There was some, something was held up in the production. And so I got a call, email from Rhino, and they said, could you get a lacquer cut? for the monkey single like in the next eight hours because if you can get that done then we can have one in the set <laughs> so i ran over to the vault i got the original master i ran out uh which is you know, the vaults like 35 minutes for me and then uh the place where i cut the records like i did the run out groove records is a great place um and that's about a 45 minute drive from where i live drove out there raced out there got the singles cut uh, they cut a lacquer and then they send it to a plant and then it sits there and then they make plates and they press up records. So all thanks to Madonna and me being around on that day to run around and do that. But yeah, that's so we have the original what would have been the concept for the monkeys single, uh, not Don Kirshner's single. So it's the Michael Sung version of the girl I knew somewhere with all of your toys, the original mono masters that were delivered uh at the time in 1967 not remixed and those are cut directly from the tape so uh it's that sort of fantasy single there in the sleeve that kirshner had intended for the little bit me little bit you she hangs out uh single that did not come out and then they reused the sleeve for pleasant valley sunday fantastic for those who have not seen a picture of it yet you've got the box itself which has the the headquarters album on it and then you get a booklet and you've got the uh fantasy seven inch vinyl and then there's the four separate cds that also have some of that same uh art from the photo shoot of the headquarters album yeah all four different uh poses that uh, bernard yesen's photos uh done for the cover and then the back covers which you haven't seen in the product shot are all well the first one is like the original headquarters album but then the the other three are all um made in the similar template but with different photos so a lot of great photography in this set fantastic so for everybody who wanted to see mickey he's coming on tour this is not an early april fool's joke <laughs> get your tickets as soon as they are available around you uh, we will have a full list in the show thread of the dates thus far and a link to where you can order this and you can go to the monkeystore.warnermusic.com and you will find it you can pre-order now only four thousand of these are going to be made so you want it vote now with your wallet get it while you can um, it, it is great this is something you've kind of been hinting at that something was coming in previous uh past episodes but you couldn't let us know totally but i'm so glad to be part of this now and uh as always support what you love and andrew we are glad to have you on the show and glad to talk about this stuff it is it is important that uh, to us, to those of us that love the monkeys, this kind of thing is important. 
And I want to thank you for spearheading it up. And we'd like to thank Rhino for being able to let us know and for being part of this as well. So thank you. Thank you, Rhino. Thank you, Andrew. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm glad we could talk about it. I'm sure there's more to talk about and there's more questions out there. Uh, and definitely if, uh, if you're doing the, uh, you know, if you're looking for tickets, there's the pre-sale with the password zilch and then there, you know, the tickets go on sale this Friday, November the 4th for Mickey's tour. And then the headquarters boxes, I think are manufactured and they start shipping them out sometime this month. Uh, the pre-orders are on now. I think it's November the 18th is the official release date. So uh, I hope the people who want to get it, the people who don't want it, don't have to get it. I understand you bought the record many times. So have I. I've got many copies of Headquarters in my collection. I get it. I get it. But uh, for everybody who wanted it and who wants it, there is a lot that's new. I think 69 previously unreleased tracks, 101 uh, tracks on the box set. So 69 new tracks and it it retails for 69.98 a dollar a song. <laughs> well, you know, 99 cents a song. Let's look at it like that, right? Cuz that's what they do. There's a lot of it's a lot of expensive stuff these days. I feel for everybody, look, you know. I'm I myself have to, you know, cut some corners here and and uh, you know, looking at counting my pennies uh because I do not uh, I do Contrary to popular belief, I do not make a fortune working on these monkeys things. But I, uh, you know, I understand that times are, are tight. But if you want it, if you want it and don't want to regret later that you have to pay two or three times the price on the secondary market for this, this is the time to buy it, I would say, as my just my friend to friend advice. You don't have to buy it, though. And I get it if you, you know, if you have other responsibilities and we all do. Totally, totally understand. I understand that 100%. I'm just speaking to the person out there who is going to be playing, paying double for this once it goes out of print. You know what I mean? Once it's done. Uh, because there, it just happens time and time again. I saw people complaining, well, this, this Blu-ray set is too expensive. And why don't they make it for a DVD? Because you can't take a Blu-ray and put it on a DVD. And you know, all these things, all these little quibbles. And it turns out that people have been begging for something new from Rhino. Here it is. This is an answer to your pleas. Here it is. So uh, I say that as a fellow fan. Uh, this is it. We are blessed to be getting something. A, a new tour announcement with Mickey Dolans in 2022 and the actual tours in 2023. And we've got this headquarters super deluxe edition that'll go right alongside your blu-ray set and your handmade sets it, it's nice that we're getting something it could have just been well the beatles got something cool this year yeah it is nice and so hopefully you know there'll be nice people out there and they'll like it and enjoy it and come and see us with mickey um i'll be at all the shows i hope fingers crossed and i think we're going to try and put on a great show and um you know, I know the band is going to be great, and I, I just, you know, here, here it comes one more time. I'm so happy that we have something to celebrate and something to, uh, to talk about with the monkeys this year. That's that's got some new stuff on it, and um, it's it's nice that this continues for the people who are into it because you know I love it, and I know everybody out there who's listening to this. If you got this far in the podcast, you love it too. 
I can't imagine anyone not liking the monkeys that would listen to this podcast, but stranger things have happened as Peter Tork. They're hate listening. They hate listening. <laughs> well, Andrew, it is so great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for thinking of us and love that uh, pre-sale uh, code for the, the, uh, the, the, the tickets for Mickey's show is zilch. Couldn't pick a better. Right. I'll tell you a funny story. I'll tell you a funny story to finish this up because we've talked for five hours now. Um, so at, at Mickey's shows, you know, and, and, and other shows, I between the uh, in the intermissions and when people walk in, I like to play uh, different music to get people in the mood for the show. You know, because sometimes you walk into a show and they'll be playing, you know, Pink Floyd or they'll be playing Led Zeppelin or whatever. And those are all great. It'd be especially great if those were the bands we were going to see, you know, and you got like when you go to Disneyland, you get in the mood because they've got all this great music playing and then you're like in this sort of Disney mood. So I feel like when you walk in the concert hall or wherever, wherever we're at a casino or whatever, you get in the monkey's mood because I'm playing all this, you know, interesting music. Some of it, what you've heard and some of what you haven't. One of the things I was playing uh, at a show this last year is on the monkey's uh, headquarters box. That's coming out. It's a radio spot done for KHJ uh, with a contest for their show, the Hollywood bowl based around zilch and um and the the djs uh it starts out with the regular track of zilch and then the djs start doing a a round of zilch with uh if you get the contest you'll be you know you'll be winning tickets monday morgan or whatever so anyway um somebody came up to me at the the soundboard and said um i heard the zilch contest and um i'm here to collect my prizes i recognize that this was uh you know like yeah, that that was from 1967. <laughs> so, wow! The show's about to begin. You want you may want to take your seat, <laughs> but um, you never know. You never know who's listening. So um, if you if you're listening on the new box set, the ticket offer for the Hollywood Bowl is no longer valid. Yes. Sorry to say. Yeah, it's past its expiration date. The milk has went bad, as they say. Uh, I, I often say that it is a monkey's world. We just live in it, and it is our own little world. So uh, all are welcome, but only a few will really wake up and take the uh, invitation. And we are so glad that you did. I'm glad to be here, glad to be part of it with you. And we want to thank our listeners who have been faithful listeners for all the years of this podcast. I want to thank you all, each and every one of you. So it's exciting news. A new tour, Mickey celebrates headquarters and a new box set headed your way. So thank you, Andrew Sandoval so much. Fantastic. Thanks so much. And thanks to all the listeners uh, for all the kind words and thoughts and support over the years. Hope to see you in the new year. Fantastic. And I'll say this early since we're, we just did Halloween and Thanksgiving's coming up and everything. Happy holidays to everyone and be safe and be good to yourself and one another for love is understanding. It is something we all need. Thank you, Andrew Sandoval. We will see you all on the next episode of Zilch, your podcast full of monkeys. Say, see you, Andrew. Uh, see you, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd do it, but... <laughs> See, I'm too smart for you. And I, yep, I heard the contest, and I'm going to win. I'm going to win the sponsor <laughs> tickets. They're mine. And here is your carton of expired milk. So there you go. 
Well, thank you so much. And everybody, get out there and vote. You make a difference. Use your yes. voice. Vote, vote now and vote often. <laughs> All right, brother. Okay. We'll see you. See you. Bye. And that's our show. Zilch is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Burr. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around.